with just two, but that's all you need is two. And uh, thank you, Lord. And uh, let me just get myself all in position here. And uh, we'll go from there. Mm -mm. You know, when you try to type fast, you can't. When you don't want to, you can. Yeah. Uh, let's go to James uh, chapter 5. I'm going to start off in James chapter 5. This is prayer and healing school. I want to talk about um, obtaining healing. Um, but I really want to talk about, you know, so often we talk about us praying for the sick. But sometimes we need to know how to receive healing for ourselves. We need to know how to receive it for ourselves. Um, and uh, so I'm going to look at James chapter 5. And... Uh, see some things right here in the book of James and uh, James chapter 5 in verse 13 it says is any among you afflicted so here James is writing to the church by the unction of the Holy Ghost and towards the end of his and towards the end of his letter because this is the this is the very tail end of the book of James he says is any of you is, is there anyone among you in the church that are afflicted it says um, he said let, let him pray. Let him pray. He said, is any merry? Let him sing a song. So, you know, if you're, if you're in a good mood, well, that's great. Sing a song. Uh, but he said, if you're afflicted, let him pray. We can pray for ourselves for healing. Many people don't ever think about this. You can lay your hands on yourself. God doesn't say if you lay hands on others. He said if you'll lay hands on the sick. Well, if you're the sick, you can lay hands on yourself and you can pray. Now, what we don't do, and we'll see this in a minute, is we don't go, oh, God, please send your healing because healing has already been provided. No, what you pray is, Father, I receive my healing. Father, I receive my healing. Um, and but so he says here, he said, if any be afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing. And I kind of think this is a little funny because how much do you know you're talking to the sick person and he goes, oh, but if you're merry, go ahead and sing. <laughs> that seems kind of, that seems kind of counterproductive, but no, uh, praise will put you over. And so once you pray, once you lay hands on yourself or once you speak to yourself or once you, once you say, Father, I received my healing, then you should be of a merry heart because you should have the knowledge that, that it's a done and completed work. And therefore, you need to begin to praise and you need to begin to sing. So where these two questions seem almost unconnected, they're actually completely connected, completely connected. And he says, if any is sick, of, and then he goes right back to again, back again, and he says, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Now, wait a minute. You just told me to pray over myself, and now you're telling me to call for the elders of the church. Well, what is it? Well, that depends on where you are in your walk with God. If you're the band, if you're the brand new baby and you don't know how to pray for yourself, then you probably do need the elder. Or if you're up against a really big sickness, you might need the elders. You might need somebody to come alongside of you in, with agreement to pray. Now this word elders right here, um, 
I've taught it this way before. I've said the elders are as anybody in the church that's been around longer than you, that's got some wisdom in the word. Not just because somebody sat in the pew for 50 years doesn't blow, doesn't mean that they have faith for healing. You, you can go to somebody that has, um, that you know they've been up against some things and they've received divine healing, then that's somebody that you can go to because they can teach you some things and encourage you on some things. However, this word elder right here specifically is referring to the pastor, the preacher. So this, this word right here, elder, could be either or. Could be either or. Um, but at the same, you know, and, uh, you know, and some, some ministers will teach this only means you get to go to the pastor and only the pastor. And some people will teach, this only means you can go to the people in the church. No, I, be- I truly believe in this situation because he said elders, plural. He was talking about both types of elders. He was talking about the, the ministers, the fivefold in the church. And he was also talking about um, the elders as far as the other deacons and those that have had some healing victories in the church uh, because they can help you. Because uh, let's face it, if the only one that could pray for the sick was the pastors, the pastors would never be able to do anything because they're going to be running to the sick all the time. Uh, no, no, no. We need, we need both in this situation. So I tend to teach this verse as, as both ways. Um, and it says, and the other thing it says is let them pray over him. Let them, talking about the elders. And uh, in most churches, you pretty much so have the pastor as far as fivefold. Um, and so if it can only mean the pastor, then why is he talking about them? Them. So, no, no, you can go to anybody in the church. But, you know, if you're a, if, you know, and I've been in that situation where my faith was just weak. I mean, I knew the scriptures. I knew what the word said. I knew it. But the pain was so loud that I needed somebody to put the hook their faith up with me because I just couldn't muster the faith. That's not a weakness as a Christian. That's not a weakness. And a lot of people will say, oh, bless God, I can get healed on my own. Or bless God, I've laid hands on myself and I have it, but they're still struggling. No, no, no. Uh, Sometimes you need a little extra boost. That's why God gives us brothers and sisters and pastors and teachers and elders in the church, because sometimes you need a little extra. He said, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you, over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Why do we need the anointing oil? Because sometimes people need that tangible touch. Sometimes the the oil, listen, the oil that we use, it's olive oil. It's it's extra. I mean, we got the really good extra virgin high quality stuff, but it's it's that's it's, it's olive oil, and we added a little bit of frankincense and we added a little bit of myrrh to it. You know, um, you know, because sometimes that just gives you that little, ooh, that's nice. 
Yeah, it gives you the aroma of that's God. You know, you think about Jesus. You think about Jesus and the wise men with the frankincense and the myrrh. But there's no power in the oil. There's no power in the frankincense. There's no power in the myrrh. The the whole point of the anointing oil is it gives you a point of contact. It's a type and shadow of the power of God. So what gives the oil, the frankincense, and the myrrh the power is God is God but sometimes people need that touch and there's a lot of times that the Lord will say anoint them with oil and what's he telling us he says anoint them coat them in my power coat them in that power and so that's why I like a little bit of frankincense and myrrh there because it goes with you and so when the devil starts to attack you get that little whiff of that little frankincense you get that little whiff of the myrrh and you go oh wait a minute I was anointed hey you know, no, I've got the power of God. These are tools that God gives us, you know, but so often it makes me, oh, it makes me crazy. These people trying to get rich off of, oh, get our oil. It's anointed. It's special. It's blessed. No, honey, it's oil. No, honey, it's oil. <laughs> no, it's not about the oil. It's about what it represents. It's about what it represents. It's about, it's about it representing the power of Jehovah Rapha is what it's about. Now look at verse 15, and this is the one that I want you to see. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall rise him up, shall raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. What is the prayer of faith? The prayer of faith is the prayer that is prayed in faith. The prayer of faith is the prayer that is prayed in faith. You've got to be in faith. Well, what is faith? Faith means that you have an unwavering trust that God will heal you. Or that God, I should say it this way, it's an unwavering trust that God has already healed you. And notice, but notice it says, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. This is a good, because I want you to notice there's a semicolon after raised up. That what he says next is connected to being raised up. He says, if they have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. There's a connection here that if you have active sin in your life, you need to repent so that the prayer of faith can begin to work. Because you have to understand this. Active sin opens the door to Satan to come steal, kill, and destroy your life. It gives Satan, it's like the hall pass to Satan, and it says, hey, Satan, like when you, it's like, a, it's like the red flag. You, you, you get into sin, and all of a sudden you put up a red flag that's waving in the wind going, Satan, you're allowed to bring sickness. But a second, uh, the second you repent, the second you notice there's sin in your life, and you go, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry I did that. I choose to, I'm closing that door. I'm never, I'm making the adjustment. Father, I'm purposing my heart never to do that again. Father, please forgive me. Then immediately that waving flag to Satan immediately comes down and the presence of God can overshadow you and sickness can be eradicated. So in order to get the prayer of faith to work, you first must get sin out of your life. 
That's the first thing. I was coming into town, or we were coming into church, and uh, we had a friend of ours, and I was talking to him about had he ever actually encountered anybody with an actual demon. And, and he said, oh, yeah, I've encountered that. And, uh, and uh, I said, well, did you, did you have an experience where to cast them out? And he said, well, I had the encounter, but I couldn't cast the demon out. And I said, what do you mean you couldn't cast the demon out? I know this person is a person of prayer. And uh, he said, worked with the person for three hours, and they cussed me the whole time. Just this demon just took control of their tongue, and they were just cutting, cussing and spitting and fussing the whole time. I said, well, did the person want to be set free? He said, they said they did. He said, and I said, well, then the demon had to come out. And he said, well, nobody could really answer me, but, you know, after three hours, I just had all I could do. And so I've been pondering on that and thinking on that and wondering on that. Well, Lord, why did it not work? And, you know, I've been kind of pondering this road for quite some time, several months. And uh, the Lord just showed it to me so simply. The Lord said, uttered these words to me. You can't cast out a demon until, out of others until you've cast the demons out of your life. Now, this is a man of the word. This is a man of prayer. This is a young man that, I mean, pushing into God, following God. But he had an addiction in his life. Catch this. He had an addiction in his life. He still was addicted to tobacco. Well, well, you mean God can't use me if I'm addicted to tobacco? Of course he can. God's used this as a young man. But... Here's the deal. It's going to limit you because until you, get, uh, until you get the entirety of the work of Satan out of your life, you will not be able to get the work of Satan out of somebody else's life. In fact, there was a, there was a gentleman, I'm trying to remember, I think it was somebody that Brother Randy was dealing with, and uh, the, um, I don't remember if it was Brother Randy or Dad Hagen. It was one of them. The perfect memory. It's coming to me. And uh, and uh, the the they asked this you know this demon, how did you get in there? How did you get control of this person? And the demon said he smoked a cigarette. Now does that mean every person that smokes a cigarette is demon possessed? No. Or demon oppressed? No. But that's how that particular demon got in. See, any type of sin. Any type of sin will cause you, habitual sin in your life will cause you to not be able to operate by the fullness of God. So in order to get the prayer of faith to work completely, you also need, you've got to, uh, if you have any, if you have committed any sins. Now he didn't say commit your, he didn't say confess your sins. He said, notice he said, if you have committed. If you have committed, which means when sickness attacks, the first question we should ask before using the prayer of faith is, Lord, is there any unrepented sin? Because we can have sins that we're not aware of. I mean, you can have sins. You can have a sin from 20 years ago and not remember it. You can. Uh, I was listening to uh, Pastor Craig Fields quite some time ago, and he talked about a situation where he had some people coming against him, and he asked, uh, and he, he asked the Lord to do something about these people that were coming against him uh, because they had judged him falsely. These people that were coming against Pastor Craig had judged him falsely, and so he went to the Lord, and he said, Lord, uh, I need you to vindicate me, and the Lord said, I can't. 
And he said, Lord, what do you mean you can't? He, the Lord said, you have unrepented sin. And, Brother Craig, and, and, and Pastor Craig said, what are you talking about, Lord? As far as I know, I come to you all the time. I ask you, is there any unrepented sin? Is there anything I need to get done in my life? Is there any issues in my life? You never bring anything up to me. Now I need you. You got to know Pastor Craig to understand how he talks to the Lord. He said, now, God, I need you. And now you're telling me I have unrepented sin? Why didn't you tell me about it before? And what is it? And what are you talking about? And the Lord said, uh, he said, you remember back here at such and such year? And it was like 20 years prior. It was something from like 20 or 25 years prior. He said, remember this family member so-and-so? And And Craig said, yeah, I I know that. He said, do you remember this incident? He said, Craig said, yeah, I remember that. The Lord said, do you remember that you judged them wrongly? And he said, Oh, Lord, you're right. I did. He said, I can't vindicate you for being judged wrongly until you go back to them and repent for judging them wrongly. She's an un, it's, an, it's, it's a sin you weren't even aware of. He wasn't even aware of it. And it was 20 years old, but the Lord remembered it. So, so he said, oh, well, Lord, this is going to feel really awkward. I wish you would have brought this to my attention before now. But he went back to the family member, and he said, hey, I owe you an apology. And the family member's like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, remember this incident from way back there? And they said, yeah. They, he said, well, I'm so sorry I judged you without knowing the full situations, and I judged you incorrectly, and I said some harsh things about you back there, and I need to repent, and I need to tell you I'm sorry. And they were like, we didn't even know you did that. He said, I know, but God does, and it matters. And, and I just need you to know that I'm so sorry, and that will never happen again. And they said, oh, well, of course, you know, you're forgiven. And they were very cordial to him. But he had to humble himself and go repent. And then he went back to the Lord and said, okay, Lord, I've repented. And the Lord said, I've already vindicated you. I already did it. I already did it. See, he said, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta, uh, repent for your sins so that you can be forgiven. Because the prayer of faith works with forgiveness. And the prayer of faith, in fact, we're gonna see the prayer of faith here in a minute. Um, and, and it works directly with forgiveness. Notice that he says in verse 16, he says, confess your faults one to another. What did the Lord have brother, Pastor Craig do? He had to go confess his, his faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Sometimes This is my personal favorite way to get my healing. My personal favorite way to get my healing is to pray for somebody else to be healed. Because if I'm pouring out healing into them, then that opens the door for the Lord to pour healing into me. But so often as Christians, we're too chicken to ask somebody if we can pray for them. I mean, seriously. I remember when I, we, we weren't in ministry at all. We were just pew sitters you could say and uh the lord began to deal with me about going to people and praying for them and he'd tell me to go oh so and so's over at the hospital in chattanooga i want you to go to them and pray for them and i'm like lord i only know the wife and you want me to go pray for the husband yep i sure do or you know father this is just somebody i work with i don't care go you know, and I didn't know what they believed. I didn't know if they believed in healing or anything. And I, Lord, I don't, I don't want to go. And finally, I, he, and he'd say, did you not say that, that I could call on you and you would go? And I, 
oh, yeah, I said you could call on me, and I would go, so I'll go. And, you know, and every time I'd, uh, you know, because Michael was working out of town and, you know, what have you, and I'd say to Mom, i said, oh, i got to go to Chattanooga. i got to go to Asheville. i got to go to Kentucky. i got to go over here. i got to pray for somebody. And every time the Lord would say, it would cause her to say, I'm supposed to go with you. I go, really? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that support system. Thank you. And then we'd get there, and Mom would look at me and go, it's all you. Oh me. I'm like, she's like, or she'd be like, I got you in the door, and now it's all you. And I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Great. No, no, we need to be sensitive to the Spirit, and the Spirit tells us to go pray. We need to go pray. The Spirit tells us to go pray. We need to go pray. Uh, and and uh, now here's the deal. If you never study on healing, God is never going to send you just to go pray for somebody's healing. Seriously. If you're not building your faith for healing, then God can't use you to get somebody healed. And we should be building our faith for healing because we never know when a chainsaw will strike. We never know when a tree will strike. We never know when a car accident will happen. We never know when the blood work will come back funky. You know, we should always be built up for healing. But he said, he said this, he said, and then he goes on and he says, uh, he said, um, pray for one, one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How much do you know we're made righteous in the blood of Christ? So if you're made righteous in the blood of Christ, if you pray effectively, or effectually and fervently, that means what that means, effect, blah, blah, blah. If you will pray effectually, that means passionate. That means if you'll put some faith behind it. That means if you'll put, if you'll place a, a, a wholehearted heart demand upon your request. If you'll pray knowing that when you make a request that heaven hears you and that you have what you say, then because you are righteous, your prayer will come to pass. Your prayer will come to pass. I was talking with Brother Randy the other day. At, we were texting, and I said, you know, I told him, because we're just transparent. I told him, I said, well, we had another demon manifestation. Praise the Lord. The demon was cast out. And I said, and I'm happy to report that this time I've been able to put off the attack that comes. This time, the stuff that comes after dealing with the demons, I've been able to push it away and say, no, Satan, uh-uh, that's not my responsibility. No, that's not my problem. No, I'm not carrying that weight. I said, you know, and I, and I told him that, and, you know, and then I said, but here's my deal, Lord. Uh, I, said this, I, said, here's my, I said, here's my deal, Dad. I said, I don't comprehend and I don't understand why more pastors have not had these demon encounters that we have been having because reality is about 50% of the people that you have sent us have had demons of some type or other. I said, I don't get it. And, of course, I'm always asking the Lord to help me. And, and then I sat there for a minute, and I said, and therefore this causes me to go, oh, God, why us? Like, why us? 
And I wrote, and I no sooner to put that in my text than the Lord gave me the answer. And I said to him, I said, I guess it's because we're willing and we believe. And we believe. We believe that when we speak that demon, when we speak that name of Jesus, those demons must go. We believe in the laying on, laying on of hands. You know, we, we just did a whole series of looking at every healing account in the Bible. And uh, the Lord had to start with the New Testament. And as we went through them, I was, it, really, it, was, it really stood out to us how many of the people Jesus healed had demons. Remember that? It was overwhelming. It was a huge percentage of the people that Jesus healed had demons of some form or fashion. I felt like I was like teaching on demon casting outs every service through healing school. Um, but why is that? Because sickness comes from the works of Satan, from the works of Satan. But if you're effectual, if you're passionate, if you believe with everything in you, if you know that God is real and his word is truth, then you can be effectual and you can be fervent. You can have that fiery prayer that, that says, I will not be denied. I will not be denied. Well, how do you get to that place? We'll go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, we're talking about the prayer of faith for healing. How do you get into a place where you can operate by the prayer of faith? Well, you've got to pray effectually. You've got to pray fervently. And how you're going to get to the place where you can pray effectively uh, and, and uh, pray, um, uh, you know, that effectual prayer, and you can pray with with uh, fervency, with fire, and with passion, you find the answer in this. The easiest place to see it is in Joshua chapter uh, 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. This doesn't mean that you never speak the word. This means that you never stop speaking the word. You never stop speaking the word of God. You never stop speaking it. And instead, instead of stopping and don't, and don't let it out, don't let it, you know, fall from you. Instead, what you need to do is, is but thou shall meditate day and, you shall meditate therein day and night. Day and night. This word meditate does not simply mean to think. It actually literally means to speak it out of your mouth repeatedly but you're not speaking it as a parrot just saying it just to say it although over time you that will get you into faith really what it means to meditate on it it means to talk it out it means to talk it out so if we go back and we look at the if we look at the back at the verse that we were just looking at we well well father god what what exactly do you mean by effectual you might have to get your dictionary out. 
and look up that word effectual. And here's the deal. I don't recommend you get the modern-day Webster's Dictionary. I recommend that you go get you a 1946 dictionary or a 1904 dictionary or a 1780-something dictionary. You can find them online if you can't find them in the bookstores or whatever. But go get an old dictionary and go get the old definition of effectual. Dig into your Strong's Concordance and say, well, Lord, what?" and that's easy. When I started doing my Bible studies, I had to carry the Strong's around. And at that point in time, they didn't know anything about small print. In fact, you know, you got what you got the songs that you could get. If you got the large print one, that thing was like this. I mean, it has some weight to it, you know. And you're like, ooh, got to lug this thing out. I mean, I'd have out, you know, I'd have out four different, four or five different Bible translations. I'd have out my Strong's. I'd have out my Bible dictionaries. I'd have out commentaries because I really wanted to dig into this effectual. What does effectual mean? What does fervent mean? What is it? What is what? What qualifies as a righteous man? What what, what qualifies as that? And begin. And, and so when you get your definitions, then you begin to talk to the Lord, and you begin to say, Well, Lord. First of all, it says a righteous man's prayers are effective. Well, Lord, the Bible says, the word says that I am the righteousness of Christ. So if I'm the right, what am I doing? I'm starting to tie scriptures together. So over here, the scripture says that, that I've been made righteous in Christ. So that makes me a righteous woman. And, you know, and honestly, I was so picky. I was like, Lord, do you really mean men or do women matter? And you know what I found out? That word man, every time it's mankind. Mankind. Men, women, old, young, doesn't matter. Mankind, human race. So if I am in Christ, then I am righteous. And if I'm effectual, that means that I'm, that I'm very committed. I'm sold out. I believe it with everything in me. I've got some emotion behind it. To be fervent, that means I don't quit. There's no quit in me. There's a fire about me. So I, if I have this fire, if I have this passion, if I have this strong belief, then uh, and I pray with that strong belief, then my prayers will be effective. Effective, and they will produce availeth. You know what availeth means? It means it will produce. It will uh, it will cause things to come into the seen realm. So it means. So if I pray with this fervency, if I pray with this passion, if I pray with this fire, then that means that things are going to start to show up and be revealed. Wow, God, this is what meditation looks like. Taking your taking your taking the word of God and breaking it down. A lot of people say, Man, you just I love how you teach the word. You just break it down. And I look at them and I say, You want to know how I teach? I teach how I meditate. How I, this is this is what my meditation looks like. Well, I just don't know what meditation looks like. It looks like I'm taking the words and I'm breaking them down and I'm running them over in my mind and I'm talking to the Lord about it constantly. And I'll say, Lord, this is what I see. Do I have it right? And sometimes the Lord will go, you're dead on. And other times he'll go, "Mm, no, not quite. Oh, back to the drawing board. Let's go back. Let's go over this again. He said, meditate day and night that thou may observe to do 
according to all that is written therein. How often are you supposed to meditate? Only when you're at church? Only during your morning Bible study? Only when you're driving your car? No. Day and night. So what does that mean? I have, what does that mean you have to do? That means that you have to train your brain. I've been talking about training your brain a lot lately. You've got to train your brain to think purposely on the things of God at every point during the day. So how did I get to that place? Well, I found this. I, the scripture said, Lord, you're supposed to meditate. Lord, the word says I'm supposed to meditate day and night. That means that if, I, if I'm thinking on something, I'm supposed to meditate on the word. And, your Lord tell, and the word tells me that I'm only to think on those things which are lovely and nice and good and of good report and virtue and things like that. So any time that I realized my brain was thinking on things other than God, I would literally stop and I would literally shake my head and I would literally say, Satan, quit distracting me. Body, quit being rebellious. You're supposed to be thinking on the word. And I would begin to quote the word and I would begin to go down on purpose, go through the meditation process to the point that I do it unconsciously. There's times I've had to stop people and say, I'm so sorry, I was not listening to you. I was meditating on the word. I was thinking of the word. I was talking to the Lord. I was spending time with the Lord. You know, I was just, you know, a lot of times I might sit down and watch TV and my family will get annoyed with me because something will happen and I'll have to back it up. And they'll be like, what are you doing? You were sitting right there. And I said, I wasn't paying attention. What were you doing? I was meditating on the word. I was focused on God. I wasn't focused on the entertainment on the screen. Why? Because you have to create this habit. Meditate day and night, and here's why. That thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Well, we know that over in the book of James, James tells us to be a doer of the word or we deceive ourselves. Well, how do I be a doer of the word? Well, this verse says that if you'll meditate day and night, you will begin to observe to do. So, okay. So, this is this, uh, seriously, this is meditation. Meditation says, well, well, James said I'm supposed to be a doer of the word, but I don't know how to be a doer of the word. But Joshua says that if I'll meditate day and night, that I may observe, that the reason I do that is so that I may observe to do all that is written in the law. So if I want to be a doer of the word, then I have to think on the word day and night, which means that I have to uh, say it and speak it and talk it out and work it out. What am I doing? I'm, I'm connecting the scriptures. I'm meditating. I'm learning how to be a doer of the word. He said, uh, day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Oh, uh, Wow. There's 66 letters, Lord. i got a lot of meditating to do. <laughs> and then there's a calling, and it says, For then shall, uh, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Well, how much do you know? We like prosperous, right? Well, Lord, I want to be prosperous. So many people say, Oh, Lord, everything I lay my hand to, it pro- you caused me to prosper. And then that's all they say. This says if I want to prosper, I have to meditate day and night. And that I have to be a doer of the word. So if, so if I want to make it to where God can prosper everything that I lay my hand to, 
then that means I have to meditate day and night, and then I have to begin to observe, and that makes me a doer of the word. See how meditation connects? One scripture to this scripture to this scripture, and you begin to pop these things out. It says, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shall you have good success. So if you're not having good success in your life, what do you have to do? You got to go back and meditate, right? You got to go back and observe. You got to go back and do. This is, so this is how you get the prayer of faith to work. Go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, we, come, we find what is known as the prayer of faith. This is right after Jesus speaks to the fig tree. You know, Jesus uh, comes through the town and he was hungry. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Uh, it says, and um, this is so amazing. I love Jesus. He said, in verse, 12, uh, uh, verse 12, it says, Now on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. He'd been traveling. He was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily, he might find something thereon. Now, he, the first time you read this, if you don't know anything about fig trees, you feel like Jesus is a little mean to the fig tree. But what you have to understand about fig trees is there's at least two different species. One species brings its fruit kind of in the fall. But my neighbor has the other type of fig tree. Hers, as soon as her tree gets leaves, that tree has figs. And that's where Jesus, and that's the type of trees that are there in Jerusalem. Um, and because uh, he, he was on the road to Jerusalem, this is the week that he's crucified. And he's hungry. And he's coming along. He's traveling. And he sees this fig tree that has leaves on it, which means that fig tree should have fruit on it. There should be fruit on that tree. And so he was hungry and seeing this fig tree um, afar off having leaves. So he said this tree had leaves. He came, if happily, he might find anything thereon. And when he came uh, to it, he found nothing but leaves. There wasn't even a little nugget of, there wasn't even an, unroop, an, an unripe fruit on this tree. There was no signs of fruit whatever, whatsoever. He said, for the times of figs was not. Now they throw that yet in there and that makes it sound like, well, Jesus was just hopeful when there shouldn't have been any figs. But that's not the case. Really what it's saying is, well, the tree had leaves, but it didn't have figs. It now, check out this next line, because this is amazing. And Jesus answered and said unto it, Jesus answered the fig tree. What did the fig tree say? <laughs> nanny, 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 you thought you was going to get to eat, and you ain't getting nothing. Have you ever had inanimate objects talk to you? Have you ever had the faith mobile? You know, you got to the car to start the car, and the car won't start. How much you know? It starts talking to you. Have you ever had the tires were kind of rough and they start humming and you think, and they start talking to you, we're going to pop, we're going to blow, we're going to give in, then what are you going to do? Have you ever had your bank account talk to you? Have you ever had your bank account talk to you? You know, you're like, oh, I need to pay this bill or I need to get this, and you look at your balance and the bank goes, nope, not today. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, right. Well, you better go get yourself another job. You better go do something. You better get to cutting grass, raking leaves or something. No. Well, that's what this tree did is this tree spoke to Jesus. And at first it said, oh, yeah, come here, Jesus. I'll feed you. And then the tree went, psych. Jesus didn't like that very much. He did not like that very much at all. And Jesus said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter ever. That tree lied to Jesus. And Jesus said, you know what? Now, this will wake you up. The tree lied. The tree lied. The tree told a lie. And, and, and Jesus said, okay, guess what? No man is eating your fruit from this day after. And you think, well, that's a weird thing to say to a tree. And the disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the, uh, and Jesus went into the temple, and he began to cast out them that bought and sold in the temple and overthrew the tables and the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. I mean, he was having a fit, uh, and rightfully so. And he taught, saying unto them, uh, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all the nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves? Because they were overcharging for everything. It says, The scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him because of all the, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. Jesus kind of turned things upside down with how he, with how he operated. And when evening was come, they went out of the city, and in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. This fig tree was dried up from the roots. Now, we live up here in the mountains, and we like to cut trees for firewood and have windstorms and what have you. When was the last time you saw a tree go down in the, this evening, and in the morning, you could tell it was already dried up and withered from the roots? I've never seen such a thing. How much you know, that was a startling sight to the disciples. And uh, he said, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the, dry, the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saying unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. How does Jesus handle the lying tree? He cursed it. Uh, do you think Jesus is okay with his children lying? Mm-mm. Boy, aren't you glad he didn't, didn't, uh, didn't strike you with a curse immediately? Aren't you glad you haven't withered up from your roots? Because God doesn't handle that very well. I've taught this years and years and years, and I never saw that till today. Glory to God. We don't, we don't play with that. And now, this, check this out. This is the prayer of faith. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Really, when you break this down in the original language, what he actually said is he, is he said, have faith like God. He said, you need to get to the place where you are so strong in faith that when you, that, that when you speak, things happen. You've got to get so strong in your faith that when you speak, it immediately takes place. Because when God speaks, it happens. I say this all the time. If God decided to get up one morning and say the grass is pink, we're all getting up and the grass everywhere is going to be pink. Why? Because when this is why God can't tell a lie, because everything that he speaks comes to pass. And, you, know, how, you know, how much more should we get to that place that everything we say 
comes to pass. Uh, we, there, was a, uh, there were two ministers, Happy Caldwell and uh, Charles Capps. Now, Charles Capps has got some great teachings on confession and, and speaking the word. We've got him out here. Um, he's got some great, some great, great testimonies. But Charles Capps got a hold of this, have faith like God. And he, and he said, well, if we're created in the image of God and when God speaks, things happen, then that means that when I speak, things can happen. So he got very committed to the words that he spoke. And he worked this and he worked this and he worked this and he worked this. And he got to the point that he was so cautious about what he said because he believed that the words that he spoke would create. Well, uh, Pastor Caps and Pastor Happy were in a boat on a fishing trip. And uh, Pastor Happy and some of the other ministers like to kind of rib and give uh, 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 Reverend Charles Caps a hard time about how strict he was about his words. And uh, so they were out there fishing, and he had, and Charles Cap had just gotten a brand new, real expensive fishing lure. And he, he got tied on his line and got the bait on it and got it all good. And this was a very, if you I don't know if y'all have done any fishing, but some of those things are very expensive. Yeah, 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 $1,600 real. I mean, expensive, very expensive things. And so he had a nice, shiny, real nice, expensive one on the line. And uh, they were out there fishing, and they were just kind of being quiet and keeping themselves and what have you. And uh, Reverend Capps got a bite on the line, and he was reeling this fish in. Well, the fish broke the line and swam off with his real expensive lure. And he got frustrated, and he got mad about it. And he, he, he in, uh, just out of reaction, because he had been working on his words, he had been meditating on the power of his words day and night. Out of impulse, he said, you foul fish, you stole my lure. Bring it back and spit it back in the boat. And then uh, Reverend Happy started ribbing him and giving him, a, oh, you think that fish is going to come back and, and hook that thing and spit that thing in your man here? You've been studying and meditating on that too long. Just really ribbing him and giving him a hard time. Well, according to, and I, I heard this testimony out of Pastor uh, Charles Capps' mouth at one time, and then I heard it from Brother Happy at another time, uh, and I've read it in the books. So uh, they said they both said things kind of got a little tense in the boat because he was mad and and now uh, Happy was giving him a hard time and so they finally just kind of settled down and got real quiet and went back to fishing and they said about twenty to thirty minutes total time had gone by and all of the sudden I mean the water was still everything was still everything was quiet. Everything was settled down, and they're sitting there, and all of a sudden, they hear this huge splash in the water. They hear this splash, and they hear a ping into the boat. And they went, what? And they looked down, and there sat uh, Pastor Camp's fishing lure. That fish had swam back to that boat and spit the fishing lure back in the boat. Why was that able to happen? Because he meditated day and night on, the, on having faith like God. And so when he spoke, it came to pass. 
And so Jesus was telling them about this fig tree. Jesus said, have faith like God. For verily, now any time that Jesus says verily, he means I'm telling you an infallible truth. A truth that cannot be denied. He said, I'm telling you a truth that cannot be denied. I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. You can have all the doubt you want in your head, but as long as your heart is in it, it'll come to pass. He said, if you, he said, uh, that whatsoever you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into sea, and shall not doubt in thy heart, but shall do what? Believe. This is unwavering. This is effectual. This is fervent. Unwavering. Saying, I will not be denied belief that those things which you speak shall come to pass. He or she shall have whatsoever they saith, he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, whatso things soever you desire. Now, this desire is not a little baby desire. This is not a floating desire. This is not like, man, it sure would be nice to have a Coca-Cola or a Moon Pie today desire. This is, I want this with everything in me, and I will not be denied. I want this. I'm going to receive this. You're meditating on it. You're talking to the Lord about it day and night. You've got a picture of it in your mind. You might even have a picture of it somewhere. Uh, I was, whoa, what minister was this? I think it was Nancy Dufresne. Uh, she was, she, she had, the Lord had spoken to her about having, it might have been Joyce Myers, uh, but the, the Lord had spoken to them about having big meetings in these big areas, and, and they couldn't even fathom it. They couldn't even believe it. So uh, what they did is they got one of their people to make, to get a picture of like a full, like, coliseum or a full, like, like a like a basketball arena that was full or whatever and they and they did a picture and they and they got a picture of it being full and they posted like a little stick figure of of the minister like there like in, in that preaching and then see then they had a visual of what they were believing for you know that was one thing I asked Derek at one point in time when we were talking about him getting the weight off I said Derek can you see yourself smaller and he said no and I said, well, that's the first thing we have to do is we've got to get you to get an image of yourself smaller. So we started working on some things to help him be able to visualize it. And then as he began to visualize it, God began to work on his heart and to shift some desires in him. And he came to me one day. He said, Pastor, I see it. I see myself skinny. I see it. I'm ready to obtain it. Let's do this thing. I said, okay, let's do it. See, you, it, this is something that you have to, you've got to really want it. You've got to desire it. This is something that you, this is not just some passing thing. You know, Brother Randy talks about his airplane. You know, the Lord told him years ago, he said, Son, I need you to learn to be a pilot. And he said he couldn't even, at that point in time, he couldn't even afford a good lay-in hen. You know, and that's good country talk for poor, poor, poor. But the Lord said, I need you to learn to be a pilot because uh, later on, uh, tra uh, public transportation is going to become undependable and unreliable. How much you know that's true? And uh, he said, so I need you to just believe for this. And Brother Randy's like, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, uh, 
he just started believing the Lord, and he started going to the airport, and then, he, and then the Lord dealt with him about getting his pilot's license, and then the Lord said, I want you to get you a plane, and he said, I didn't have any money to get a plane, you know, still can't afford a laying hen. So what, would he, what he would do is he would go out to the airport, and he would speak to the runway, and he'd point to the runway, and he'd say, you hear me, oh plane, I'm going to land you on this airstrip one day. I, I see you flying in and coming in. And he began to talk to that plane. What was he doing? He was building that desire in him. It's a prayer of faith. So we're talking about healing. If you want yourself healed, you're going to have to desire it. You can't be, some people are like, well, I can live with the pain. If that's your mindset, you're never going to get healed. If your mindset is, I can live with it. Oh, this is my cross to bear. This is the thorn in my flesh. Let me tell you what the thorn in the flesh was. Go and look at it. It was a servant of Satan sent to buffet him. It was a demon. It wasn't a sickness, a disease, a thorn from a shipwreck. It wasn't some weird eye disease. It was literally a demon. And uh, no, you have to, if you want to be healed, if you want to be whole, you're going to have to say, I'm not going to be denied. I will not be denied. And so he says, uh, therefore I say unto you whatsoever thing you desire, we're talking a real earnest desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Now this does not say that you will receive. So many people fail to receive because when they pray the prayer of faith, they say, Father, I thank you that you will heal me. Guess what? Will, will heal is future tense. No, God. I believe, I see in your word. You're going to have to get in the word and you're going to have to find out, uh, you're going to have to find, uh, get over there to 1 Peter 2.24 and find out that you were healed. You're going to have to find out, go back over there to Isaiah uh, 54, um, 53, 4 and 5 and find out that he was striped way back there and carried your burdens way back there at the cross. You're going to have to get over there to Galatians 3.13 and find out that when he was hung on the tree, all sick, that you were redeemed from all sickness. You're going to have to get into Deuteronomy 28 and find out that the sickness that you're under is part of the curse. And, they, that, uh, and then get back over to Galatians 3.13 and find out that you've been redeemed from the curse. See, you've got to get in the Word and meditate day and night. This is why Dad Hagen said he'd get to where he would be meditating. You know, he'd get word that somebody was sick in the family, and he'd say, and he'd do this. He'd say, before I ever even thought to pray, he, he, why? Because he has to build his faith. It's the prayer of faith, not the prayer of doubt, unbelief, and hoping. It's not the prayer of hoping and believing and holding on for the best. It's the prayer of faith. Before you can pray the prayer of faith, you got to get in faith. And in order to get in faith, you got to find out that the word says that God will heal you. You got to get over there to Matthew chapter 8 to the great I will chapter and find out that when Jesus, when the leper came to Jesus, he said, I know you can, but I don't know if you're willing. Jesus said, not only am I willing here, let me touch your rot. That's how comfortable and confident I am that I can take care of this thing. Because that was not something you did with leprosy. You don't come in contact with it because as soon as you come in contact to contact, then, you, then if you don't have faith, now you have leprosy. Well, that's a problem. But Jesus said, 
I'm so confident that I have authority over this sickness. I'm going to lay my hands right on the rot. And I'm going to heal you. How much do you know? When, <laughs> Jesus, you're going to reach down and touch my rot? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to have to get over there and find out that when the ten lepers came, God, he, God cleansed them of their leprosy, but only one came back and worshipped, and that was when he got made whole. So you're going to have to get over there in the Word and find out that once I pray, once I receive, then I get to worship it, whether I see it or feel it or not. You got to see, in order to get the prayer of faith to work for you, you've got to get into the Word and learn some things. Learn some things. So many people will pray the prayer of faith without doing the meditation, and then the prayer doesn't work, and then they say, well, God just didn't want to heal me. No. God wanted to heal you. You didn't give him anything to work with. God wanted to heal you. You didn't give him anything to work with. He said, uh, he said, uh, it, when you did, he said, therefore, I say unto you that whatsoever thing, when you desire, when you pray, believe, believe, be firmly calm. That word believe means to be set like concrete. When I think of this word, I think of those, you've been to the gas station, everybody's been to the gas station, right? They've got those concreted pillars around the gas pumps. You know why those are there? To keep people from running into them. Because if a car goes crashing into a gas pump, things explode and cause lots of drama. So they put concrete pillars down so that you hit that concrete and don't hit the tank. Well, that's how our faith has to be. Our faith has to be that concrete pillar that when Satan hits us with a blow, like, well, you have a 110% chance of infection, you can, that, that report hits that concrete pillar of faith, and you go, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. When the doctor says, well, you've got cancer, and we don't know how to heal this, that report's got to hit that concrete pillar of faith and say, yeah, that's not going to happen. When the, you know, when the banks, when, when uh, the bills are due and you check your bank account and your bank account disagrees with you, your faith that God shall supply, hey, when, that, when that bank account uh, goes, uh-uh, nope, big fat zero, your faith, you, you know, that's when that thing's got to hit that concrete pillar of faith and say, nope, my God said, my God said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you said you would take care of me. I don't know. Maybe a hound dog's going to show up at my house at midnight, but I know with a bag full of money, but God, I know that you're going to pay that bill. Father, I don't know how it's going to happen. You know, you, you might have to go to the bill. You might have to go to the billing office by faith and, and, and go in there going, I don't know, because God may tell you to do this. I'm telling you, the day is coming when we're going to start going to the electric company, and I'm going to say, who's behind on their bill? And they're going to go, what? And I'm going to say, uh, we're here to pay. You tell me somebody's bill that's behind, that, you know, they fall behind, and, you know, and, and we're going to get to the place where we're going to go in, and we're going to say, we're going to pay all the late bills. And they're going to go, What? We're going to say, don't tell, any, don't tell a soul. Don't say anything to anybody. This is the love of Jesus. And when they come in all panicked, just say, uh, Jesus paid your bill. Paid in full. But here's the deal. The God's going to tell us who to go pay, and they're going to have to go by faith to the electric company and go in and, and trembling and fearing, going, I'm here to pay my bill by faith. And they're going to go, and they're going to say, your bill is already paid. 
Because that's already stirring in my spirit. That's already stirring in my spirit. So, you know, well, the day is going to come where somebody's going to go make their house payment and the bank's going to say, oh, that, why are you paying? Your, your, your house is paid off. Your house is paid off. <laughs> what? What? But if you're going to, but here's the deal. If you're going to believe for that, then you have to do the meditation on God provides all your provision. If you're, gonna, if you're believing for divine healing and you're expecting to go to the doctor and for the doctor to give you a bad report, um, you're not meditating like you need to. You need to go into the doctor's office full of faith, full of insurance, going, I know that my God has healed me. And when they come back and they go, well, things look worse, you go, oh, no, my, I, well, thank you for the report, but I'm the healed of the Lord. And you've got to walk out of there knowing that that report just hit that concrete pillar of faith and that that report can't come to pass because there's going to be times that you're going to get a report that disagrees with the word and that's the moment that your faith has to remain if you can be shaken the bible over in the book of james it tells us to that don't allow that no double-minded man will receive anything from the lord you've got to study and meditate in order for the prayer of faith to work you've got to get so solid that no matter what report comes you cannot be double-minded you have to say nope nope my god has healed me my god is fine when the symptoms flare up you have to go uh uh-uh nope I ain't doing this. No, Jesus, we ain't doing this. No. I'm telling you, I worked with, I dealt with, with severe pain for years. There was a solid year that, I mean, I was honestly living a lie is the way I felt. Because I would come to church, I'd put on the happy face, I'd sit, I'd do, I'd dance, I'd teach, I'd do whatever I had to do. And then I'd go home and I'd sit on my couch in tears until the next church service. And the pain was so so loud and i told the lord i said lord i've got to have some relief i've got to have some help i've got to and the lord said it's okay to go to the doctor so i went to the doctor and the doctor said well we can try this and we can try that but i had already had a word from the lord get the surgery and i told him i've already done those things uh no i know it's time to do the surgery and i did the surgery and the surgery helped tremendously but i would still have pain and you know not like i did before but still pain and some other stuff was going on, and I just I got to talking to the Lord about it. And then one day I was I was honestly not trying to be gross or vo- vo- uh, uh, gross or just give you too much information, but I was having what's called a vasal vega, but I wouldn't pass out, but all of my system would shut down. And so I'm in the bathroom in my birthday suit, sweating and freezing all at the same time and puking and using the toilet and i mean life was just miserable and i was going pain leave in jesus name pain leave in jesus name pain leave in jesus name and all of a sudden the spirit said uh do you believe that and i was like what and all of a sudden all this and the spirit said if you believe when you commanded the pain to go why do you keep telling it to go and i started going father i thank you that i have no more pain Father, I thank you that I have no more pain. Father, I thank you that I have no more pain. In an instant of time, the Lord showed me I was not in faith. I was in fear, and I was operating out of command, 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 instead of just thinking, Father, that it was done, done, done. And so in that moment, it completely changed. And it took me some, because, but I had, I had been 
operating wrong for several years. So I had to just get to the point where I was like, I have no pain in Jesus' name. I have no pain in Jesus' name. And I am not, I'm telling you the 100% truth. I don't remember the last time I had a bad pain day. I don't. I don't remember the last time I had pain in my back. In fact, Michael said to me several months ago, he said, honey, I'm just, he said, you're just always in so much pain. I just don't want to just push you or this or that or the other. And I had to stop and I had to look at, actually, this was last year. And I, and I stopped and I thought, I don't remember the last time I had that pain. I don't remember the last time I had that pain. And he went, what? I said, I don't, I, I don't remember the last time I had that pain. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah. You know, why? Because I had gotten to the place where I was in faith and would not be moved. When pain struck, I just said, nope, Father, I thank you. I have no pain. I don't receive that report. I have no pain. He says, therefore, I say unto you, what, so things, what, so, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You have to believe that you have already received before it manifests. If you are waiting for the manifestation to believe, you will never receive. Let me say that again. You have to believe before you will ever see. If you are waiting to see before you will believe, you will never get your manifestation of healing. Never. And then look at this. He said, and when you pray, Jesus added this on. He said, and when you stand praying, forgive. The prayer of faith, there's a hindrance to the prayer of faith. He said, when you stand praying, Forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you these your trespasses. I'm going to give you this testimony. There was, back in the day when we were just pew people, the Lord sent, uh, you know, we had gone to several people that the Lord had sent us to. And then uh, some of the ladies and, and the, some one couple of the ladies said, hey, there's this friend of ours. He has pancreatic cancer. He's been sent home to die. Um, will you please go pray for them? And I said, mom and I were both like, we have no unction to go. We have zero unction to go. We don't know these people. They tell us the situation. There's no compassion of Christ flowing out of us. This is a dead situation. What do we do? And we pondered on it, and we pondered on it, and we pondered on it, and heaven was silent. And I said, well, the Bible says to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we've seen it, so I guess we'll go. And we went to this man's house. And uh, the wife was cooking dinner. I mean, she never stopped cooking dinner. She never took any time to come sit down with us or anything. She's in there about her business cooking dinner. Her husband is sitting in the recliner dying. And we're sitting there by the request of friends, not by the unction of the Holy Ghost, to come and minister uh, healing to this man. And so I'm sitting there, and, I, and, and one thing that the Lord has always, you know, what, what did Jesus always do before he healed? He taught. So I said, well, this is what we always do. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm teaching this man about the word, 
And honestly, there were a couple of times that I looked over at Mom and was like, is he dead? Like, I mean, he was that pitiful. And I just kept teaching, and all of a sudden, the word forgive came up. He was in and out of consciousness, and the word forgive came up. And I thought, oh, Lord, I don't, okay. And I told the man, I said, listen, I said, we've showed you in the word that God wants you healed. We've showed you that we can lay hands on you and that you can recover, that you will recover. And we've seen it a couple of times. We believe it. I gave him some testimonies that we had experienced. And I said, but I hear the Lord telling me this. Uh, I keep hearing the word say, I keep hearing the spirit say, forgive. And I said, I know nothing about you. I said, but I keep hearing the spirit say, forgive. And all I can assume is that you have some people in your life that you are holding unforgiveness for and toward. And that's why you are not healed. Uh, so we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray over you and we're going to believe for healing. But if you have any unforgiveness, you need to release those people of those charges and you need to forgive them or I suspect this is not going to work. And I, I don't know what to do. And the man is just basically mostly not real responsive. I think we got a head nod at that point. I think we got a head nod. And I think it was like, do you understand? And he kind of got a head nod is all we got. And so we prayed, and we went out, we got in the car, and Mom and I looked at each other and said, because they kind of had a little bit of a longer driveway, and, I, and we both kind of said, he'll probably be dead before we even get out of the driveway. I mean, there was so little life. But we said, God, it's in your hands now. We got a report a couple days later that this man went to his Baptist church, went to his Baptist church, and he said, because he, he, he showed him the scripture that we said, we anoint you with oil, call on the elders. He showed him that scripture, and he said, I had unforgiveness in my heart towards some people, but I've chosen to forgive them, and now... If you, the elders of my church, will anoint, will, will uh, lay your hands on me and anoint me with oil, I'll be healed. And guess what? He was miraculously healed. Miraculously healed. And he, was, he worked over here on the fire department. As far as I know, he's still alive today. I don't know. I haven't heard any reports otherwise. Um, but he was complete. And I mean, this man was at death's door. And he was a believer, but, it, but healing wasn't coming. The prayer of faith wasn't working until he forgave. So if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, whether you're in the house or online, you need to choose to forgive. And then you need to get in the word and build yourself up knowing that God wants you healed. If, you, if your problem is, is you're just poverty stricken, get in the word and find out that God wants you prosperous. If you're, you know, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with uh, being dismayed, if you're dealing with fear and worry and anxiety, get in the Word and find out that God said lay it at His feet. And lay it at His feet. But you've got to get in the Word. You've got to meditate day and night. You've got to talk yourself through the Word and get yourself to that position where you've got that concreted vessel of faith standing between you and the enemy and that protects you from everything that comes, from every foul report, that faith that says, uh-uh, I got faith like God and I won't be denied. I will not be denied.
And when you do that, you will see miraculous things begin to, transpla- to, to, to transpire and begin to take place. Well, glory to God. I preach myself very happy, healthy, and whole. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. I'm telling you, you can get in a fantastic way to meditate. This was one of my favorite ways to meditate before I ever started preaching, is I just preach to myself. Just get in the Word and just begin to preach the Word. Just begin to preach the Word to yourself. And I'm telling you what, it'll take you right into divine healing. It sure will. Zach, if you'll come and serve the people, we always give you an opportunity to sow a seed. And a tithe and an offer, or tithe, you know, different people have money come in at different times. So we always give you that offer, that, that opportunity. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And, uh, just, God is so good. He's so full of mercy, love, and kindness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The prayer of faith shall save the, shall, uh, save the sick. Yeah, do your work, though. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you for the opportunity to pray today. Father, we thank you that every prayer request that we listed up to you today, Father, we thank you that they've all been answered. Father, we thank you that all manner of mental illness is broken, that all manner of uh, addiction is broken. Father, we thank you that all that marriages are restored. We thank you that those that are in bondage to Satan are set free. Father, we thank you that heart disease, lung disease, eye disease, vascular disease, respiratory disease, neurological disease is completely broken. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. And, Father, as we sow seed into your house, Father, we thank you that you cause this seed to be multiplied, to be increased, for your house to be supplied. And, Father, for those that sow those seeds, Father, I just ask that you pour them out such a blessing that they cannot even contain it all. Father, just overwhelm them with your goodness in every area of their life. And, Father, we give you the honor, the glory, and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Yes, Satan, we command you to take your hands off of the... Take your hands off of the increase. Take your hands off of their physical bodies. Take your hands off of their resources. Take your hands off of their relationships. In Jesus' mighty name, everything that you have stolen, everything that you have taken, we spot you, we found you out, we command you to return the sevenfold return. Angels, we command you according to the word to go get the prosperity in every form and fashion and bring it in according to the Father's supply. And Father, we thank you that the word is true and the word is working. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You can serve the people. Man, it's so good to overcome. When you know what the Word of God says, then you can just walk in total victory. Walk in total 